Welcome to Moving Forward. I'm your host, Lynn Swanner. On this podcast, I'll interview forward-thinking Christian school leaders and educators on best practice, innovative approaches, and new opportunities in Christian education. This month's podcast features Joel Gaines, high school principal at the City School of Philadelphia, and Jenny Brady, Director of Diversity at Prestonwood Christian Academy in Plano, Texas. Although Jenny and Joel come from very different school settings, they share the work they have in common to create diverse communities in Christian schools, as well as the philosophy, programs, and practices they use in their own school settings. So Jenny and Joel, thanks so much for being with us. Let's start out with each of you sharing a bit about your school and what you do there. Jenny, do you want to start us off? Sure. I work at Preston Christian Academy. We have a few campuses. The main campus is located in the suburbs of Dallas in a town called Plano. On the main campus, we have right around 1,500 students, pre-K three-year-olds through 12th grade. Um, we, our tuition by 12th grade is about 22000 We are co-ed. We are what we would consider a covenant school. And we're considered kingdom education school, where we believe the church, the home, and the school partner together. We are about 28% racially diverse at this point. We um, are able to give away right around $3 million in financial aid. Um, about a third of our students um, receive that financial aid. I serve as the Director of Diversity at Prestonwood and have been in this role now for about 15 years and have the blessing of working on attraction of a diverse community, training in regards to diversity, and then retention of the diverse community. And diversity for us, we define as grace. So it includes gender, race, age, and ability, culture, and economic status. And we do look at those areas from a biblical perspective. So when we talk about gender, we are defining that um, as he made a male and female. Great. Thanks, Jenny. Joel, do you want to tell us a little bit about the city school and what you do there? Sure. Uh, my name is Joel Gaines. I have the privilege of serving as the high school principal at the Poplar Campus. Our Poplar Campus is found in the Northern Liberty section of Philadelphia. We are a family of families, so we have a campus uh, not too far from our Poplar Campus uh, in the Fairmount section of the city. It's a pre-K to five program, and we also have another campus in West Philadelphia called Spruce Hill, and that's a kindergarten through five grade there. So we serve about over 350 students from Philadelphia and the greater Delaware Valley area. Uh, we have students internationally from across the world, Honduras, the Congo, and the likes. One of the things that we're committed to is education that crosses socioeconomic and cultural boundaries. And that's in order to grow a whole student. We believe that who you learn with matters. Um, so that crossing over from socioeconomic and cultural boundaries is a, is a big part of what we do here at the city school. And yes, we have, the, we have a vision to see uh, students flourishing all throughout the city of Philadelphia in particular, and then however, in whatever ways they're able to impact the world around them. One of the things that attracted me so much is my first year here at the city school is our mission, which is to train students' minds, disciple their hearts, and bring light to the city one child at a time. Love doing that within the urban context. I uh, love that we're able to connect with all different types of students. And it's important for us to see how areas of race, ethnicity, culture impact the pedagogy that is, that is practiced within our schools, along with uh, how are our students, what they really have to interact with before even coming to the 
doors of our building, being aware of that, being connected with that, being in tune with that, and then seeing ways that we can utilize the things that they see on a daily basis into the things that they're learning within the classroom in order to impact the world that they come from. So I've known both of you individually for a while now, but what was really great was getting to see you work together when you created the diversity inclusion strand at the summit at the uh, Global Christian School Leadership Summit back in January in San Antonio. And you know we had over 1,100 Christian education leaders from around the world at the summit. And the diversity and inclusion strand sessions, and those were just one of six strands, were just packed. I mean, like standing room only for every session. So can you tell us a little about what you experienced at GCSLS related to the strand? Well, I would say that in the beginning, I was really excited to work with Joel. It was my first time meeting Joel and working with Joel, and I'd heard some incredible things about him. So it was such a blessing to get to know him and work with him and and see God through his lens and his work. I, I believe that when we came together, we were wondering more about what the audience wanted. Who was the audience? What were they interested in? How could we meet their needs? And through a lot of prayer, we were able to come up with some incredible speakers. And the blessing of that was just seeing the rooms overfilled for the diversity sessions. So from the speakers to the workshops, it was an incredible time of us all learning together and growing together in regards to God's definition of diversity and what he wants for Christian schools. Yeah, yeah. I would absolutely dovetail off of what Jenny said. It was a privilege to be able to connect with her, um, learn from, be able to just really encourage one another in this work. The, the reality of working in connected with these, these areas, these topics that we dive into on a daily basis, it can feel very lonely. So when you meet people from across the nation who have similar journeys and stories and want to see children flourishing, all different type of children flourishing, it's very encouraging. So even that exposure to other ideas, other perspectives, as Jenny even mentioned, starting off with prayer. So the, the reality of us being believers and understanding that we can talk about these topics of race, ethnicity, and culture, because we see it in the scriptures and even our Savior addressed them. It's very empowering to not only have the core text of the scripture, but then also other people and resources that they may be exposed to that can be implemented within our context. One of the interesting things, and I won't call it surprising because all of us have been in the Christian education world for a while. One of the interesting comments that I heard pretty repeatedly from people who were in the sessions and, you know, we got on some of the feedback was just real thankfulness and saying, you know, we've been waiting to have this conversation for a really long time. And so I guess my question to you would be, both of you, from your perspective, why do you think it's, it's a topic or it's something that we're just now sort of getting around to be able to talk about in some meaningful ways? Jenny, you okay with me jumping in? Go for it. Yeah, my, my initial thought is it's actually surrounded around a TED Talk that I saw several years ago and I'd use in different speaking engagements that I'm involved with. And it, it had nothing to do with diversity, this particular TED Talk. It had everything to do with leadership. And the way that the person led in explaining leadership was leadership was overrated. And really what you need is you need a lone nut to put themselves out there and then people will follow as that lone nut is willing to be the first one to kind of break through the status quo of let's just be comfortable. So I think what one of the barriers was there was a sense of, I would say when people started to get courageous to have these conversations, to say, you know what, I don't want to live and operate out of fear. 
but I want to, and I am empowered in many ways by the Holy Spirit to be a witness for Christ and understanding that he even said, we have to take this message, particularly of the gospel, to all of the nations, right? And not be afraid to have the conversation. So it took some lone nuts in order to have some followers come alongside. And when that ice was in many ways broken, you started to see they wanted to get engaged, but then a platform was set in order for them to do that. I echo everything that Joel said. Speaking as a Caucasian, I think oftentimes in working in predominantly Caucasian areas and schools, it's hard for Caucasians to step out and talk about diversity and inclusion because how the world's handling it, sometimes it feels like you don't have a voice in that area and you're nervous mm -hmm. about what will be said, how it will be said, how will I be perceived? And so it's, it, there is a fear associated with it. Once it's built and created around God's um, definition of diversity and how God created it for our benefit, then it changes the dialogue and then we're able to um, have the courage to really work together in unity towards it. And I think that was one of the beautiful things about GCSLS. When you were both leading that strand, you brought with it a real wealth of expertise of facilitating these conversations, having these kinds of conversations and dealing with the discomfort that oftentimes comes with it not feeling safe and people are just not being willing to lead in them or to step into them. And so some of the folks who are going to be listening to this podcast are going to be school leaders or going to be educators who in their settings could be anywhere in this conversation at their school. Certainly not never finishing the conversation, right? But they could just be even thinking about starting it. So as people who have facilitated these conversations, dealt with that discomfort, dealt with the difficult issues, you know, help people really to deal with things that are not easy to talk about, what kinds of advice or wisdom do you have from your experiences to share to sort of get these conversations started or get them moving forward? Yeah, one, I would say that there is no one prescribed way of doing it. Yes, you can face these conversations with fear and trembling. The question is, are you going to persevere through it? And that's the biggest step is, hey, I'm going to actually jump in the pool. I'm not going to dip my, my toe and I'm going to actually jump in the pool. Now, there are some practical tools and steps that I would prescribe. And that was is to collect and to develop those uh, norms within your group. How are you going to operate when talking about and having these hard conversations? And then and the purpose of that is point people back to what did we establish from the very beginning? Even something to the point where separating or pulling away is not an option. We have to continue to turn towards each other. Communication matters in these conversations. Are we willing to open up? Are we willing to think charitably about what the other person is saying? Are we willing to celebrate? Are we willing to think the best? Are we willing to look at our own hearts and then in light of that, respond to others based off of a way that we know that we've received grace and extend that grace to other people? The overall point is that we have to continue to turn towards each other in these conversations and be willing to have scripture back up the reason why we do it as well. The reason why we're involved in these conversations is because we can, particularly as believers. The world has their own prescriptions, but we can talk about these things because of what will be ultimate in the life of the believer. We're going to be celebrating diversity and individuality and but at the same time, we can give a snapshot, a picture of what that looks like here on earth. 
And I think as people begin to have the dialogue, I think it's really important, especially for the dominant culture, to really learn to listen well, that we follow James and that we are quick to listen. And we're not quick to listen to create a response, but we're really willing to listen to the hard conversations. Mm -hmm. And that will be uncomfortable, but I remember at Global and Dr. Michael Chen saying that, you know what, sanctification isn't always a comfortable situation, you know, and that it hasn't been comfortable for those who are in the minority all these years. It's not a comfortable situation to be in. So it's time that we all get uncomfortable in order to have the dialogue, in order to create the unity. So both of you alluded to, as you were talking, you're talking about our scriptural basis for diversity and inclusion. And Jenny, you also talked about your school has a specific philosophy Can you each talk a little bit about what the underlying philosophy is that you have for doing this kind of work? At Prestonwood, we actually have a diversity mission statement. It is in pursuit of excellence in education. The mission of the Prestonwood Christian Academy diversity program is to develop a kingdom-focused environment throughout the PCA family that embraces the individual differences God has created in each person. So we do believe that diversity isn't just the visible what we see, but it goes down to the individual differences of the gifts and talents that God has given everybody that come together to make the body of Christ. But for our areas of focus, the ones that we are intentional about, we we do have our grace and acrostic, which is gender, race, age, ability, culture, and economic status. Fifteen years ago, when we set out to create a diversity program, we realized that we were first going to have to define what we meant by diversity. And so that's where we really started asking God for guidance and how he created diversity. And those are the areas that we focus on at our school. It's the individual differences, but then when we're looking at attraction and retention and training efforts, those are the acrostic is what we're using to begin those dialogue, that dialogue. You know, we, we uh, look at, when we're looking at the scriptures, it's important to see the areas that uh, really inform us of what does it look like, even to be the marks of a of a true Christian. And often I, I go to Romans 12, 10, and it actually connects with Philadelphia, phileo, uh, that type of love, brotherly love. Uh, Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. The idea of loving one another, that means to celebrate, to get to know. How can I love someone? How can I say that I love someone that I don't know? So the need to connect with people, build relationships, build bridges, and that particular section in Romans 12 unpacks so much of what it looks like to be a true Christian And that's a great place to start because it talks about rejoicing with those who rejoice, being patient, constant in prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, seeking to show hospitality with other people. Those are all areas of what it looks like just to be a Christian. So one could say like, well, we don't need to highlight that. We don't need to unpack diversity and, and those things. I would argue, no, that actually is what the life of the believer looks like. And then often a part of our Uh, Professional development norms, the norms that I was mentioning before, we actually include the verse Micah 6.8. That verse being, uh, he has told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Those characteristics of doing justice, pursuing justice for all individuals who are in your community, who are your neighbor, and loving kindness, loving mercy, and then to walk humbly. That last 
phrase, walking humbly with your God, we are looking for all individuals to have a humble posture. So Jenny was just mentioning the need for the dominant culture to be able to be good listeners. And yes, that takes a large measure of humility and patience to be able to listen, particularly when you don't understand or when there's discrepancy or when there's doubt. How do I have a humble posture? And really, it has to come from God. So those two verses are, are ones that we often uh, share within our context, Micah 6, 8, and Romans twelve ten, And it has, to be, it has to be both, right? It has to be this idea of having the hard conversations, but also celebrating each other, talking and engaging in difficult matters, but then also looking and actively looking for evidences of God's grace in each other, as we ultimately will be doing as we celebrate our King. Great. So we've, we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about the philosophical or foundational pieces. We talked about the uh, challenges to dialogue within our various settings. I'm mindful that for both of you in your work, I've heard and I've seen you really reference good practice, that there are really good things that schools can do in the areas. And I'll just, just name a few randomly, how to help students facilitate dialogue around difficult questions and things like hiring and promotion and communication strategies or, or even community relationships. And so for the school leader who's listening on this podcast, what are some of the, they could be overarching areas or specific practices that you would say, these are some things that you have to attend to, not necessarily in a prescriptive way, of course, but to say, hey, here are some practices that really are best in this particular area or things that you want to be considering. Without school leaders recognizing their own really their own biases and how they impact the way that they see and the way that they interact, the way that they teach, the way that they lead. That's a good starting point for us to be very self-aware of what are our triggers and trauma, the things that have impacted our personal worlds and how that plays itself out in the way that we lead others. Because oftentimes we're duplicating the things that we have experienced ourselves. This is a very new conversation, I believe, within many Christian schools as far as their educational program. And I would love, you know, I'm going all the way back there, the way that teachers are being prepared for the classroom, that, that needs to be a conversation there. But for the current head of school, for the current board, yes, they should be looking at not just, not just getting people of color on their board, but people who have a diverse perspective. Just because you may have melanin in your skin doesn't mean you understand the plight or the, the journey of all people of color. And even with that, those who you do bring on board, it's important to support them who are, who are some of those trailblazers within those seats that they may be holding. So yes, I do think it's important that we do an assessment of our hiring practices. Where, where are we going to look for teachers, potential teachers? How many HBCUs, historically black colleges, have we ever visited or connected with in order to recruit teachers of color? Or... Uh, going outside of our networks, that patterns that we have been very accustomed to or that are comfortable. The question is, are we willing to get uncomfortable by doing that? I think the phrase that was used in a blog that was written was um, doing that institutional audit to look at all of our different practices and say, hey, how have we made these big decisions as a group? And who are the voices that are speaking in on them? looking at the, the women who are on our boards or who are not on our boards and how is that impacting the decisions that are being made. Our head of schools or our teachers that we are saying we are elevating the skills sets that certain teachers have 
What does that communicate about who we are as an institution? All those things need to be evaluated. And it is a very grueling process. And the reality is it's uncomfortable and I don't want to do it. But to have courage in order to understand that it's bigger than the, just the individual, but it's something that's beneficial for all. And I think that there are some practical things that are easy to start with. So if you look at an institutional audit, some of the ways that you can do that pretty easily is simply doing hallway walks. Walking mm -hmm. through your hallways with the perspective of thinking through what would a parent of color who is coming to our school to potentially enroll their child in our school, what would they see? Would they see their children? Would they see the diversity that we want at our school? Also looking at curriculum, say just take for example, your reading list. Are the authors diverse? Are the topics diverse? Are they allowing our kids to grow in their perspectives? Or even just pulling together a small group of parents, faculty and staff and students of color and just asking them, how is it going for you? Do you feel comfortable in our school? Do you feel like it's a place where you can learn where you're invited in? And just beginning those dialogues and that conversation with that small group will help you understand what's going on in your community. If I can dovetail off that too, that was very good, Jenny. This idea of giving true power and true authority to those groups as well. Because one could feel like I'm opening up in such a way, I'm being very vulnerable, but I don't see the fruit of it. So the need for that follow-up, as Jenny was saying, is you're doing those audits through the hallways. Man, I need to follow up with certain individuals and say, hey, we're not, I don't feel like I'm doing this right. Can you help me, right? So that is taking the posture of a learner as opposed to a teacher. A lot of it starts with building that trust so that people even trust you enough to be able to have the conversation and then the need to follow up. Hey, yes, we saw that within our English department, we don't have any people of color or no women on our reading list. And this is what we've done about it. I think our community uh, would appreciate and then also help us along. Hey, here's a suggestion that I have as well. Those were utilizing the people that we have within our community is, is a very powerful tool as well. Yes, as I'm listening to you, uh, both of you share, you know, it strikes me that the key to this process for a school year would be really just to be a humble learner, continually learning, continuing asking the questions, to be authentic and following up and not just asking a question, but really running it down with the people who have the answers for the question and then understanding the answers. So in developing that posture of being a learner, none of us learns in a vacuum. So I'm curious, what are some resources that have helped you both in your journey? It could be a book or speaker, a conference, just some, what are the influences that have helped both of you or that you've seen really impactful for other people in your travels to really develop that mindset of learning about this with that humility and with that approach? Well, when I began working in diversity, when we proposed the program at Prestonwood, I quickly learned that there was no one around the Dallas, Texas area that was doing this in Christian schools. So I automatically knew that not only was I going to have to learn a lot, but I was going into territory that I didn't have a lot of resources in Christian schools. 
So I had to go broader and look at resources outside of Christian schools. So I, I've learned a lot from the National Association of Independent Schools with their trainings, whether it's their People of Color Conference or their Diversity Leadership Institute. It's been a huge blessing in the past two years to start creating a Christian School Diversity Symposium where Christian schools can get together and dialogue about best practices. And um, we can learn together on how God created diversity and what he wants for Christian schools. But along those same lines, I also learned that there weren't a whole lot of Christian resources out there 15 years ago. So books such as Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria were hugely beneficial for me in just looking at education in regards to diversity. Again, anything also by Lisa Delpit was huge. But now being able to find the Christian resources, such as Wide Awake by Dr. Daniel Hill, has been extremely beneficial as we work through what diversity looks like in Christian schools and almost a self-assessment of where we are. Yes, you know, it's, it's very important that the Christian educator, uh, that the Christian leader do their own work, hard work, and obtain resources, right? Getting in and networking with individuals, establishing strong relationships with someone who sees the world different from your perspective, actively pursuing that, taking that posture I want to be a learner and learn from an individual. One of the things that I did was my journey birthed from out of frustration uh, and really crying out to God, God, I am struggling with the reality that there aren't many. It seemed like there weren't many people who were wrestling with these concepts within Christian education. Please send, please send people my way. And it was amazing how the Lord did that in the form of people like uh, Walter Strickland, Dr. Walter Strickland at Southeastern Dr. William Branch, uh, he was a longtime friend uh, engaging in this work, and several others who encouraged me, but then also continued to connect me with individuals who were of the same mindset. Some books that were uh, life-changing or very influential in my thinking uh, was even Bloodlines by John Piper or Generous Justice by Tim Keller. Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. I remember going through that book with my students at my previous school, and, and then one of my students got to meet him when she was at her college. Uh, she went to HBCU and got to meet Brian Stevenson. Several other books that were very impactful, Divided by Faith, another great book, um, One New Man by Jarvis Williams. The book that really, I would say, was this year most impactful for uh, my school was a book entitled For White Folks Who Teach in the Hood and the Rest of Y'all Too by Christopher Emden. And he talks about reality pedagogy and urban education. This was the first book that I gave to my teachers at my new job, where we serve many uh, majority students of color and many of our teachers are white. It could have been jarring for some of them, like, oh, what is this book? And basically what he's talking about is good pedagogy. But he, he does talk about how race, ethnicity, and culture impact pedagogy in a way that teachers need to be aware of. And one of the things that he highlights was, again, us looking inward before we start looking for all these solutions. Let's look within ourselves and explore the, many times the areas that we don't want to touch on, but that are so beneficial. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that we are free in Christ. Uh, he's torn down any walls of hostility, and in believing in Jesus, we can now be one with each other and really have that one new man perspective. 
So in addition to all the great resources that you both just mentioned, you know, both of you have written um, blog posts for ACSI. Um, we also have some posts and a podcast from Elizabeth Dombrowski on the issue of inclusion in Christian schools, inclusive education. So we will put all of those links in the podcast notes so that our listeners can follow up with those and sort of see what the next step or the next resource might be that they would want to access. So Joel and Jenny, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today and to share some of your experiences, just your insight and your wisdom in this area of creating diverse communities in our Christian schools. Lynn, you led in many ways and opened up doors for the conversation to be had. So thank you for doing that. Lynn, likewise, thank you for being willing to engage in the dialogue and help move us forward. And for our listeners, thanks for joining us today as well. Please be sure to check the notes on this podcast for additional resources and references related to today's conversation. Podcast notes can always be found on the ACSI blog at blog.acsi.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the blog again at blog.acsi.org, or you can also subscribe on iTunes. While you're there, rate or review the show and spread the word on social media. Thanks for all that you do to move Christian education forward. 